Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards, and this is Impact Cyber Church. Today, I've got a great message, great ministry opportunity for you. We're going to be talking about faith and the wisdom of God. Now, listen, faith has become so religious over the last 50 or 60 years that honestly, it's a tangled web that most people cannot really figure out how to walk. Got a, I got a message from a great friend of mine the other day, a man that I love, uh, a fellow minister, and he just said, Jim, I need some help. He said, is there anything you can give me to help me understand uh, about walking in faith? Now, this guy was raised up in the faith movement. I'm telling you, he's a minister in the faith movement. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not at all being critical because, you know, my answer to him was the same thing I'm saying to you. It's like, look, we've got faith so convoluted that it makes it impossible to really know what the Bible teaches about walking by faith. But I'll tell you, when you understand faith in connection to the wisdom of God, oh, it's going to open the door up bigger than you ever imagined. So if you're ready for practical faith, I'm not talking about goofy faith. I'm not talking about weird faith. I'm not talking about mooch faith. I'm not talking about anything weird. I'm talking about where you walk with God in His wisdom, which is practical application, and life really, really works. So get your, get your pen and paper out. Here we go. You know, I want you to understand, first of all, God has always been a faith God. And even in the Old Testament, people related to God by faith. All of the rituals and things that they did in worship in the Old Testament, if they didn't do them in faith, they were meaningless ceremonies. God's, God's always related to man by faith. And one of the most interesting men of faith in the Bible that most people would consider um, to be a legalist is Moses. Now, Moses had to trust God. And remember, faith is not really about what you're doing to try to get God to give you something. I tell you, when we reduce faith to, to what God gives us, to just, just to His promises, it really becomes very non-relational and it just becomes about getting stuff from God, uh, whether we have a relationship with Him or not. But at the core, faith is all about our capacity to trust, feel safe with God and to be able to follow Him anywhere. Because most of what we're trying to get God to bring to us, to pour out on us, God is already attempting to lead us on a path to get the very thing that we need in our life. But we're saying, I'm standing here, bring this to me. And God said, well, I need for you to follow me over to here so I can get you to this. Like the children of Israel, they had to follow him to reach the promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey, a land better than anything they'd ever imagined, houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, uh, uh, something just beyond uh, any sense of wealth, success, prosperity, peace, and joy that they, that they had ever imagined. And so the faith was not whether or not God would give them the promised land. The faith was whether or not they trusted a God enough to make this journey to the destination. 
And so Moses had to lead tens of thousands of Israelites that didn't trust God. You know, at one point Moses had the, he had Pharaoh and his armies trying to kill him. He had the children of Israel probably on the verge of killing him. He had the Red Sea in front of him that he had no way to cross. And, and, and all of these people murmuring and complaining. And he had to trust God to lead this group of people on this journey to the promised land. A land that most of them have ne had never seen. All they'd ever heard was just stories about this, about this land that was rich and overflowing. And so, so Moses had to be a man who trusted God. Now, stop and think about it. Moses had never seen any of the miracles that were performed under his hand. You know, when I got born again, I didn't grow up in church. I, I didn't, I, I'd never seen people pray. Uh, and, I, you know, I'd especially never been around spirit-filled people. I'd never seen anybody uh, I, I get the sick healed. I'd never seen anybody cast out a demon. I'd never seen any of those things. And I found myself very quickly as a new believer in situations like that where, where I was having to walk in something that was in the New Testament. You know, at least I had the Bible to read. Moses didn't even, he didn't have the Bible to read. All he had was the oral traditions that were passed down from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and through, you know, through his lineage. And, uh, and so he had to trust God enough to stand up before Pharaoh and to take his rod, and throw it down, and it turned into a serpent, to raise his rod up and, 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 and uh, uh, bring about all these mighty acts that, that took place. Man, he had to trust God. Can you imagine going before the most powerful person in the world? Pharaoh at that time was the most powerful ruler in the world. And you're going to go before him and all you've got is this rod and you're going to, you know, God's telling you to stretch this rod out and the Nile's going to turn to blood. Stretch this rod out and, and locusts are going to swarm the earth. Stretch this rod out and, you know, all these things are going to happen. Man alive. I don't know about you, but I would have liked to kind of had a test run or something to see if it, this was really going to work. But you see, we can step out into the unknown. We can step out into any situation when we trust the God that we're following. Now, I'm going to present some things to you, and it doesn't seem like this is going to take us down this journey of faith, but it is because I'm talking about faith and the wisdom of God. Now, remember, wisdom is the practical application of God's truth. And the path of wisdom always ensures that you're on the path of life, which is where there's peace and where there's joy. And wisdom always ensures that at the end of your journey, you're going to be connected to God. Your relationship with God is going to be intact. So we've got to talk about some heart things because faith is a matter of the heart. Wisdom is a matter of the heart. Understanding is a matter of the heart. So let's talk a little bit about faith and the wisdom of God. Now, Jesus made an incredible statement about the heart. Now, I've told you all the time how that, you know, your heart is all about, about your identity, who you believe yourself to be, and and, you know, we've talked about these different attributes of the heart. And by the way, if you, if you haven't read my book, Moving Invisible Boundaries, uh, if you want to understand the heart, move, read that book, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries. I'm telling you, it is, the, it is the, uh, the, the premier book on understanding the biblical concept of the heart. I promise you, you'll, you've never read anything like it. Now, 
Jesus made this statement about the heart. See, one of the, one of the things that we have discovered is there are some issues that are harder to deal with than other issues. And, you know, I've heard all kinds of crazy theories about, well, this is harder because this is demonic. No. Well, this is harder because this is a worse sin. Uh, no. The truth is, what makes something hard or not to overcome is the place that it holds in your heart. And Jesus made this statement one time in the book of Matthew. He says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And you understand that the more you value something, the more deeply connected it is to your heart. Now, your heart is not only the seat of all of your beliefs, but it's very specifically the seat of your beliefs about God and the seat of your beliefs about yourself. So when something, when a belief becomes a part of your heart or, or something you value becomes something that you have the sense that you can't live without, you can't let go of, then it's connected to your heart, which means it's connected to your sense of self, to your sense of identity. Now, the problem is when something becomes a part of yourself, your sense of identity, how you see and feel yourself, to, to let go of that feels like dying. It literally feels like you're dying. Well, inwardly, it is. You're dying to self. You're dying to the vain uh, imagination you have of who you are. And, and uh, you can't put on the new man that you're in Jesus as long as you're holding on to the old man, which is who you believe you are and what you think it'll take for you to be happy and all, all those kinds of things. I'm kind of rushing through this. And if you're new to this concept of the, the biblical concept of the heart, I know this is a, is a little bit foreign to you. So Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, one of the ways you can tell uh, what you value, and this is so incredibly important. Uh, you know, I, I have been praying and seeking God for uh, at least 20 years to have a clearer understanding of values and the impact that values have on our life and how values weave into the fabric of the beliefs of our heart. And this is, this is some of what, you know, the Lord has brought me to understand and, and, uh, and you know, is, is, is becoming much more clear. Remember, the more something is connected to your heart, the more value you have, the more you treasure it, the more it's connected to your heart, therefore, the more it feels like a part of who you are. You know, that's why your mate, if you're deeply in love with your mate, Losing your mate feels like you have died yourself because your mate is such a part of who you are because you have such incredible value for them. So one of the things you, that helps you understand about what has an incredible place in your heart is by answering this question. What am I most afraid of losing? You know, uh, when you think about the, the love of God. I'm talking about us loving God. I'm not talking about just about God loving us. You think of all of these positive attributes about love. And man, I'm, I'm with you because I'm all about the positive attributes about love. But we have to understand, or actually the understanding itself gives us the capacity to see the positives and the negatives in a situation. And so if 
if I love somebody, you know, the, the incredible positives are how, how, how much I enjoy that relationship, how much I care about that person, what that person is contributing to my life. But you know, the negatives are, it's easier for that person to hurt me and probably easier for me to hurt them than anybody else in the world. Plus, I have the fear of what would happen if I lost that person or even, not just that, what would happen if I damaged that relationship? You know, I had a situation happen just this past weekend between me and a friend. And actually, we're in business together. But I consider him, more, uh, uh, he's more important to me as a friend than he is a business partner. And so we were having a conversation. And, you know, I wasn't mean to him. I wasn't hateful to him. I didn't attack him. But I was really straightforward with him. And, man, I'm telling you, my heart was so grieved afterwards. And, I mean... I was trying to make a point, and I, you know, I don't want to get into justifying here, but I was trying to make a point. I was trying to get something across. But, you know, afterwards, the effect on my life, I felt dirty. I felt nasty. I, I felt like a person would feel after committing adultery or something because I value that friendship. And so what happens then to a friendship that you value? See, if you have no fear of losing a friendship, if you have no fear of hurting that other person, eh, this, it's not love, and it's not really God's love, kind of love. It's not, it's not really, your heart's not deeply involved in it. But I'll tell you, when, when, when you hurt somebody that you care about, or, 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 or even, even if you didn't hurt them, you, you think you might have, or you don't like the way you related to them, I'm telling you, it grieves your heart because you have a fear of hurting that relationship. You have a fear of losing that relationship. Well, I've said this to you before, but you've got to get this to understand where we're going with faith. Psalm 111.10, and there's several verses that say this, and every one of them has a little bit different twist on it. But Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and a good understanding have all those who do. Now, the, the translators of the King James Bible says, all those who do obey His commandments. Well, that obey His commandments was just inserted by the translator. It sounds like in the original language that he's saying the fear of God is the beginning, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a good understanding have all those who do. In other words, when you do have the fear of God, you have wisdom and understanding. And understanding is important, remember, because understanding gives you that capacity to see both sides of something. Here's the pros, here's the cons, here's the negatives, here's, you know, here, here's the good parts, here's the bad parts, here's the potential for it to go right, here's the potential for it to go wrong. You know, anytime you go into a negotiation, or anytime you... Anytime you have a, a, a conversation with anybody, people who lack understanding never, never see the potential for it to go wrong. And they're surprised when it goes wrong. It's like, oh, that's not what I meant. Why are you so upset? Well, if they'd had understanding going into that negotiation, if they'd had understanding going into that conversation, they would have gone into it cautiously because they would realize that even though I know what I mean, that person don't know what I mean. Even though I understand what I'm trying to convey, I might not convey it properly. And understanding, you know, understanding makes you tread gently because you know this could go wrong. You know, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate. Uh, 
so many of my preacher friends over the years have told me straight up that they just don't have many friends. And uh, one of the reasons they're, they're afraid to have friends that see them how they really are, because, you know, in so many circles, preachers get put up on pedestals and people relate to them unrealistically and expect them to be flawless and all this kind of stuff. Well, you know what? I am surrounded by friends who, who uh, uh, evidently see my flaws more than I see them, you know, and all the people that see our flaws, they do see them more than we do. But we're still friends and we still love each other and, 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 and you know, we, we still get along. And, and, you know, that's, that's a part of the whole, of the whole reality of, of that relationship. But I value these friends. And I, and I got to tell you, now, I'm like anybody else. Every now and then I lose my sight. Every now and then I get distracted in my attention somewhere else. I'm not paying attention to what I'm saying or how I'm saying it. But, but I got news for you. I'm n nearly always inwardly reminding myself of the value of my friends and the value of my family. And I want to talk to them in a way that I'm, I'm aware that with, I could unintentionally insult them. I have unintentionally insulted many people in my lifetime. But the more understanding grows, the more you go into every situation with that awareness. And so because you value these things, you're walking gently. You're not walking on eggshells like you're afraid that other person's going to blow up. It doesn't, you know, my behavior pattern and the way I've related to life and the way I grew up, it's like people blowing up don't bother me. It's like blow up, have your fit, scream harder, whatever you want to do. That's fine. That doesn't really bother me too much. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about walking on eggshells because you're afraid of that other person reacting. I'm talking about walking gently in those situations because you value that person and that relationship and you don't want it to go south. You don't want it to blow up. You don't want to hurt them and you don't, you don't want to hurt what you have with that person. Now, wisdom will lead me down a path that will always value my relationship with God. It will lead me down a path where I always stay intimately connected to God. And now immediately, you know, there's, there's a pot theology uh, about grace. Now I'm a man. I was one of the pioneer grace preachers in America and in the world. I was one of the first people in America preaching grace on a national level. I was one of the first people in the world preaching grace on a world level. I wrote one of the premier books on grace. I, I, you know, I believe in the grace of God, I'm telling you. But <clears throat> this has taken a pop theology twist in the last 20 years or so, where the grace of God kind of presents this idea that because God's a God of grace, well, He just loves me no matter what. Well, yeah, He loves you no matter what, but you can still mess up the relationship. God can love you in the relationship. Listen, the Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. If you grieve the Holy Spirit, you grieve God. You know, uh, uh, you, you can give God sorrow. Now, the difference is God is not going to be driven by these emotions He's going to be driven by his value for you. And that's what love, that's what the agape of love is, is, is value. But, but keep in mind, even though God values you and will always treat you as precious, that really doesn't mean you and God are friends. 
Uh, you know, there's a lot of people I love. I'm not really friends with them because friendship requires interaction. Friendship requires open communication and honesty. You know, the Bible talks about how Abraham was a friend of God. Jesus made a distinction between his disciples uh, that were following him and his disciples that were his friends because of the way they interacted, how committed they were to one another, how they shared. I know a lot of people right now, your head is blowing up in an explosion because we just want to think that we're God's best friend just because we're saved. Well, God loves us. But that doesn't mean there's a real friendship here, an interaction between us and God. And so because this is a friendship, because this is a relationship, I don't want anything to go wrong. Even if it's just what goes wrong in my own heart. So, so I am wanting to always, always, always relate to God and connect to God. As, as my friend. Now listen, let me share this. You know, every now and then I'll get an email. You know, we don't do many promotions and many advertisements, but you know something, we, listen, we're trying to reach the world and, and it takes finances to reach the world. And I want to say this, if you're watching this program today and you're not one of our world changers, one of the people who contribute this ministry, you're getting this for free because somebody cares enough about you that they're paying for this to get it out there to you. But I want you to know something. We are committed to making sure a billion people around the world connect to God in a deep and intimate way. And we're doing it through writing books, through promoting programs, through having leadership training, through building Bible schools all over the world. We are doing everything we can to equip ministers and leaders to be able to uh, uh, to be able to take this message to people and make people whole by the love of God. And you know something, I would love to invite you. If, you're in, if this is touching your heart and you're saying, whoa, man, I've been listening to this for a while. I want to step up and I want to be a part of taking this message to the ends of the earth. You go to my website, uh, www.impactministries.com and check on, uh, check on either Operation 1B or check on becoming a world changer. And I want to invite you to help us financially Take this message to the ends of the earth. We're going to reach a billion disciples and you can be a part of it or not. You know what? God's going to love you. We're going to love you. We're going to keep bringing this out. But I can tell you this, we need your help. I want to help a lot of people move from just being Christians to being disciples. From having met Jesus to being his friend. And Jesus made a distinction about the difference between the believers, the disciples, and the friends. You know something, you can be a part of it. So anyhow, if you'd like to help us do that, you be sure, you be sure and check this out. And one other thing that you can do at the end of this program, be sure and like this program. And if you're watching this on YouTube, like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That causes more and more people around the world to, to know about this. And one last thing I'm going to mention. At, uh, at, on Facebook, at Dr. Jim Richards, you know what? I am regularly posting live videos. I'm regularly posting things that will help you and encourage you. So be sure and check that out. Go to, go to Dr. Jim Richards and, uh, uh, and follow me on, on Facebook. And man, you're going to get all kinds of encouragement. Be sure and check it on a regular basis because man, lately my heart has just been overrunning with wanting to be a blessing to you. So <clears throat> let's go back into this now. So we're wanting people... To, we're wanting to show people that with the wisdom of God, they're going to approach God differently than 
than these people who are just trying to say, oh, oh well, I just, I, just, I just have faith. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just believing God to do this. Well, before you can believe God to do a certain thing, you've got to believe who, who God is. You've got to believe the character and the nature of God. And so today and next week, we're going to talk to you about seeing God. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Open the eyes of my heart, God. I want to see Jesus. I want to see you. I want to know you as you really are. Well, i got news for you. Moses prayed that prayer. And, and what Moses experienced is the one thing that's going to give you faith more than anything else. He saw God. But you see, he didn't see a manifestation of God's traits like we would think of traits. You know, we're, we're creating the likeness and the image of God. We can only think of that in the sense of, okay, I got a body. Does God have a body? No, God's spirit. There are things about God that are beyond knowing. But we have, we share the characteristics of God. When we get born again, we share in the nature of God. And the more we know about the nature and the character of God then the more we perceive who God really is. Faith is not born out of convincing yourself that God will just keep His promises. Faith is born out of just, first and foremost, knowing who God is. It's really interesting. The word faithful, and I think it's the word truth in the Hebrew language. I think, I think those are the two words. They are the exact same words, or almost the exact same words, in the Hebrew language. Because you see, for something to be true, God is going to be faithful to it. Now, God is faithful to it because that's who He is. So, I want to, I want to see God in a way that I trust His faithfulness. But keep in mind, this is all about relationship. And so... Faith that trusts God, that sees God who He is, is always going to have in it the fear of God. Not the fear of God hurting you, not the fear of God bringing pain into your life, but faith that trusts and values God is going to see and recognize the character and the nature of God. And when we see how gentle God really is, when we see how compassionate, matter of fact, let's just jump right over there to Moses. You know, uh, uh, Moses wanted to see God. And it's really interesting. Whenever, whenever Moses wanted to see God, God said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by you and I'm going to show you my goodness. I can remember the first time I read this, like, whoa, he wants to see God. He didn't want, want to know about your goodness. Listen, Seeing God's physical form would be, would be nothing. He doesn't have a physical form, but seeing God in, a in some kind of physical form, that really doesn't mean anything. We saw Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Seeing Him as a man is, is not what changes us. Seeing Him as a man who represented the character and the nature of God, that's where we come to trust Him. Now, in Exodus uh, like I said, Exodus 33, 19, you know, he, he, Moses is wanting to see his glory. God says, I'm going to pass before you. But it's really interesting. We get the full picture of this in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. It says, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, 
the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions of sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third, fourth generation. Now, you may not understand how all of that is good. Maybe we'll get a chance to go into it. But you see, what made Moses able to trust God when standing up to the most powerful man in the world, what made Moses able to trust God that there really was a promised land out there? Moses hadn't been to the promised land. He didn't know for sure, but he trusted him. What made him trust God when tens of thousands of Israelites were murmuring and possibly threatened to kill him? Was he had seen God's character. Listen, you come back next week, we're going to pick up where he left off, and we're going to show you God's character. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.